0: This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwear-less. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You
1: can't predict anything.
0: Presented by OnX Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Download the Hunt app from the iTunes or Google Play store. Know where you stand with OnX. All right, we're going to start out with a... This is a, a segment called "Love in the Time of COVID." Um, Joe Frigno Farinato. <laughs>
2: that's, thats
0: Joe's middle name. No one knows Joe Farinato's middle name is Frigno. Uh, it's a secret that I would like to keep, but you ruined that for me. So, your big wedding—the the, the, the wedding has been pro- a real problem for me because I wanted to go. I wanted to go to a wedding. Yeah, I hate. I don't. Know, I leave very early. I leave weddings real early, but I wanted to go anyway. And then we had a live show, which conflicted with your wedding. And yep. the live show got canceled because of the global pandemic. Um, if we had the live show, I was going to have a part of the live show be that Joe streams in from his wedding. <laughs> We're going to have, we has a screen arranged. What was the, what night, what venue was going to coincide with?
3: Uh, I think it was
0: Pittsburgh. Is that what was it was? I think so. Whatever the hell we were, get, we, were we even had it timed out. We we're gonna catch Joe around the middle of our show. He's he'd probably be faced. <laughs> One can only hope because it's like <laughs> nine or ten at night, and he's gonna call in. We're gonna we're gonna zap him onto the screen and and see how it was going. See if he had any regrets from earlier in the day when he got married. Hopefully that wouldn't have happened. Uh, <laughs> if he'd have come on and been like, "Dude, I don't know what I was thinking." <laughs>
4: Things have changed. <laughs> Is it too late? Is it too late
0: it now? My mind. But you still have your tux on, Joe. Um, so it what makes... are you gonna do
3: now? Like, what happens? You go down to the courthouse? Like, are you gonna have a wedding? Well, as of right now, we're we're still going forward with the plans because I mean, we're getting married up in Lakeside, or we want to get married in Lakeside, and uh, since tell people a little bit more because uh, I don't know how many Lakesides there are in this Lake, country. Lakeside, Montana, okay. up on on Flathead. I Lake. got a feeling there's more
0: than one. Yep. Probably quite a few. Uh, real quick, st- th- this ties into my wedding and how there's a lot of lakesides. Yep. When, I, when I got married in Michigan, I grew up in a town called Twin Lake. And one of my buddies from New York like, is coming to the wedding. And we're having like the pre-party, whatever you call the pre-party. And he never shows up for the pre-party. And like, well, wow, Farley should be here. You know, he never showed up. And eventually he calls. He's like, well, I'm in Twin Lakes. I'm like, what do you see? He goes, I'm by the water tower. I'm like, dude, there's no water tower <laughs> anywhere around here. And he was in the wrong Twin Lake. <laughs> <laughs> like how wrong? How far away? I think he's like three or four hours. Oh, <laughs> but man. He, he went to, I think that's what it was. Because I didn't even know this place existed. I was from Twin Lake. He went to Twin Lakes. I was like, there's such a thing called Twin Lakes? So anyways, clarify that before you send out your wedding invitations. Because yeah. Lakeside, people are going to be scattered all around the country.
3: Yeah. Lakeside, Montana. <laughs> okay. Up on Flathead Lake in the uh Flathead Valley, um but yeah, so that's where we're planning on getting married, and as of right now, we haven't canceled anything mm-hmm. because you know, as everyone knows, it's all changing daily, and Montana seems like it's in a fairly decent spot and things are starting to open back up, so well, kinda yeah, well, kinda that's what I like how they opened
0: saying. uh <laughs> I like how they opened gyms but didn't open yoga that kills <laughs> <Right>. me, man. <laughs> Uh, it's like so like Prejudice against you, yoga You people. could
3: go lift weights But you can't stretch But don't be <laughs> stretchy Yeah Don't be stretchy But yeah so we're waiting until June 2nd I believe is the date Where we have to tell our, all our vendors If we're rescheduling Oh it yeah Sorry are, are the they...
4: vendors cool? Yep Are they? Yep okay. They're very
3: cool about it We found some good Montana folks that So are is there a, Very
4: helpful A
5: date in mind If this does get cancelled Like is there a backup plan Already in place?
3: Uh, nothing during hunting season. So we're, mm. <laughs> uh, we're heavily debating on when probably would be. Now, do you want to be married or do you want to have a wedding? I want to be married. Yeah. Listen, well, we,
2: Spence, we, are
0: married.
3: A, I'm married. Phil, you're married. I am. Yep. Uh, Steve, you're
0: married. I'm married. Oh, so get out. So you got, yeah. okay. Raise your hand and, and tap your mic. So people at home can follow along. If you think having a wedding is stupid, well, Cal, you,
4: you have never—I've been to a <laughs> lot of weddings. Bro.
0: <laughs> Stay out of this, Cal. <laughs> I'm tapping mine. <laughs> Phil tapping Tills. mine. Yes. Spencer, not tapping. Oh, you like that? Like I listen. Being married lasts a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, why kick it off in such an expensive way? It doesn't have to be expensive. And we had a wedding. I just like after, I didn't, like it passed. I didn't even realize it happened and it was
5: over. Well, the idea is you only do it once. So then it's like not that expensive if you're just going to do it one time.
4: Oh, because you're like, I'm going to amortize this across <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah 58 that's, years. That's right. Uh, that's right. Be
0: like, you know, some people thought my wedding was expensive, but then I only got married twice and there's people that get married five times.
5: <laughs> that's a different story.
0: If this was like a once a decade thing, no, thank you.
5: But mm. I'm, I'm good with it. Just like one time. I, I enjoy weddings. I enjoyed my
0: own wedding. I'm looking forward to Joe's wedding. See, when I get, I, I hesitate to say this because I've, uh, when I get a wedding invitation, um, Joe's notwithstanding, <laughs> I'm serious. Joe's notwithstanding, because I have zero obligations at Joe's wedding. If I was to go to it, right? Mm-hmm. I like no, I have to talk to no one. But when it's someone that you're going to wind up having to talk to a lot of people, when I get the invitation, I'm not like excited to get it. In my mind, I just picture like, oh, there's an evening of small, aimless small talk. But that's what the open bar is for. I don't drink as much as i used to <laughs>
4: <laughs> but it's just one more night on the
1: calendar You're like ow.
5: Oh. Right. dry wedding i wouldn't look forward to no. as
1: much i uh, got i got married in the uh, in the in the courthouse but i love going oh. to other people's
2: weddings
0: well why'd you tap your mic you didn't even get married you didn't have a wedding well that's because he thought it was oh cuz yeah. you thought it I was stupid cuz
1: i thought it was stupid early on. on i mean i'm glad i did not have a big wedding but i love it when other other people have big weddings
0: had you uh had you gotten your uh, woman um was she pregnant oh yeah so you guys ran down to the courthouse. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Really? Yeah. Good for you. Hey, thanks. Yeah.
4: That's uh
1: it's working theme out. in my yeah. family. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs>
0: that's, that's why Cal doesn't get to go to a lot of weddings. They just kind of they, they come and go real quick. So all right, so there you are. You're still gonna you're gonna try to do it. You don't want to are you are you um we we were laughing earlier about civil disobedience, and Joe was like trying to figure out if he was gonna do civil disobedience. Um that's what I like like uh let's say they say, you know, no gatherings of blank. What, right, would you cut your list back? Would you be like you know, they could have my wedding when they pry it for my cold dead hands? Like what would be your
3: attitude toward it? Um I'd probably cut the list back because I invited a lot of people that I didn't want there anyway. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> sorry for the folks that are listening to this. Well they're not gonna know it's yeah. them. They might have a suspicion. Yeah. Well, if I have to cut the list back, they might know. Oh yeah, that's a good point. But no, we'll probably cancel it and or postpone it and then go to the courthouse and then maybe just have a like party later party later. yeah, that's, that's a good thinking. way to do it too. i I just dig the party part of it.
5: Like, I, I like the open bar. <laughs> yeah. The
2: good but nobody food. really
3: cares about the ceremony, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. They go, yeah. Spencer, they go to a ceremony, <laughs> right. and then everybody's like, okay, cool, get this over with, and now let's go party. Yeah. So, Spencer, booth? if you just got
0: invited to an open bar, would that be great? <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that sounds, that
2: sounds ideal.
0: <laughs> I like that. Like, it's just an invitation. An open bar. Wedding this, and open bar. <laughs> this location. Yeah. Uh,
4: but you have to dress up.
0: That's okay. It's It's yeah. worth it.
4: Okay yeah some people really like the, the dressing up.
0: How long you been dating? Uh, three years. Oh, okay. Four years. Four years. People should know that when they write in an email, um, it might not immediately pass through Joe's hands but pat when they write in an email asking a question or sending like a crazy photo or something. Um, it enters Joe's sphere. It enters Joe's sphere of influence.
3: It does. And when they, he's the gatekeeper, when they send uh <laughs> terrible photos, they should put a warning <laughs> before I open those. Images. Oh yeah. You're going to have PTSD from some of our finger removal photos that come your way. See, those aren't that bad. I just hated the chafing conversation. Oh, people. Well, you know, what kind of photos you getting? I got a picture of a dude's gooch, like hand covering the balls, <laughs> like, look at this chafing.
0: Hmm. You didn't forward that <laughs> to me. No, I didn't. I almost, I almost fell out
3: of my chair right there next to Cal. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm wishing you the best, man. Well, thanks. No, oh, absolutely. Not the best man, but
3: the best. Man. Man. Yeah. I like that. I hope it works out. Speaking of the writing in stuff, how many people do you think are going to invite Spencer to their wedding? No, or or, or, their, to open or to their open bar yeah, party. Or their open bar party. Yeah, I'll be there. If it's
5: not like September through December, I'll, I'll make it happen. Okay. Yeah, if, you like need, it. if
0: you're a little light, my exposure to people getting married has been that they're trying to find ways to get out of inviting people. But if you're in a situation where you're trying to, like, look for people to invite, uh, Spencer is your man. There you if, go. But don't, don't have it. It can't be like a BYOB. Yes. It can't be... Do you, are you are you cool about a tip jar or is that just too much? Yeah, putting no, no, in, no like, that, that's that, fine. That just really ruins your time.
5: No, I'm good at the tip bar, <laughs> cash bars. That's still okay. But like a
0: open bar, no tip jar, not even so. a tip jar up there. Like a no tips sign, please.
5: Oh, I, I, th- I th- that's part of like the open bar. There's usually a tip jar, so you don't Go mind. To, no, good. What are, tip
4: what jars. are your thoughts on like the? Oh no, there is just an hour complimentary happy hour. Mm, you, you get your good. money's worth. Oh, you get okay. your money's
5: worth. This you, was uh. In college, um, there was a place that every Wednesday night had twofers, And, like, if, if we were ever, if, like, me and my group friends were ever on the fence about going, we'd be like, well, you're losing money if you don't go. Uh, and that always worked. And so that's, that's, like, that'd be my attitude towards a one-hour deal. Like, you, you really get your money's worth, go hard, and then you grab, like, one or two drinks right at the buzzer. Of
0: like the last year,
4: and after. but you know you got
1: to
0: be like I need a round for me and uh, my six friends. Yep,
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a way to do it. So what about? Are you okay with like free beer and wine, and then you have to pay for your own? Oh liquor? yeah, that's that's all cool too. That's okay. Yep, he just
0: drinks a lot of beer and wine. He comes out there with red teeth. <laughs> that's right. If if I don't <laughs> if I don't like
5: what's on the menu, then I like it that night. That's fine.
0: I like it. Uh, one time I got to, had to go to a wedding and my wife couldn't go and so I went with my wife's friend instead. And this wedding, made, it was an early wedding and they were serving drinks before the service. I was. This is back when I used to like to pull a cork. We're, I was. We're like, going to do that. I was like, I was full on. I was drunk before the wedding started.
1: Yeah, that's playing with fire. Yeah, that's I dangerous. don't remember how we
0: calculated this, but I remember thinking that. it Reviewed in my mind the next day, I thought that I had had eighteen mixed drinks that day.
1: Go. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Ouch.
0: Yeah. It went a long time. In fact, someone caught their hair on their their hair on fire at that wedding. You? No. <laughs> uh-uh. They had a lot of hairspray or something, lean into a candle.
2: <laughs> wow.
0: No harm done, though. Uh, moving on. Oh, uh, I fear oh, I'm coming ahead. off real cheap here. I just, no, really, not at not all. I,
5: not at all. I really enjoy celebrations and parties. <laughs> so and saving money. That's right. That's right.
0: <laughs> yep. And, and free booze. No, I don't think yeah, that, that that doesn't, that that's not off putting to me. It's like, it's yeah, how you, it's just, that's how you celebrate honest, somebody's man. love
4: and union. We get it. <laughs>
0: uh, Cal, okay, yes, Spencer's going to tell us about a morale breakthrough, which we're following. Uh, it, it was on this show that we talked about the man who died under mysterious circumstances. Uh, no, it wasn't and on this show. Beers and Bull. Oh, shoot. See how I caught myself? Mm-hmm. Shoot. Shoot. Um, yeah, we need to review that. Mm -hmm. Do you know about this?
4: Yeah, I was on that. What I had too was like, yeah, that was a podcast, but no, it was our, (laughs) we did a a live event, zoom event on, uh, uh, the internet.
0: Yeah. I want to cover Cal's, uh, I don't know what it is yet, but I know that there's something to do with Cal and some mushroom shavings. But before we get into that, uh, Cal's, my note here is Cal's mushroom shavings, um, Tell about, we were talking about why morels, like why morels are cool. And we were saying, you know, they taste good, but beyond that, they're just cool because they're, they're unowned. They're wild. Yeah. You're not going to like go down to
5: uh, Elbertson's or Hy-Vee or wherever you get your groceries and just like pick them up next to the potatoes. Get a fresh morel. That's right. Yep. That's, that's part of uh, the, the mystique and what makes morale such an enigma. Mm-hmm. And so part of what we talked about on that beers and bull, which you can go find on our YouTube channel, you, you prompted me, Steven, to tell me something I don't know about morales. And so this is what I told you about, oh, yeah, and I didn't know it about Ronald, Well, Don't do it again.
0: Cause now I know it.
5: Ronald Ower. Yeah. He was a grad student at San Francisco state university. In 1982, and he cracked the code on morels. He figured out how to grow them when no one else had been able to. The world's greatest minds have been at this. Uh, there's like interest. The world's greatest minds,
0: mycology minds. Okay, put it that way. Like? <laughs> which, which I I, I'm sure are He's some like, of you know the everybody world's... from the Manhattan Project. <laughs> well, after they got the atomic bomb, they all moved over yep. to
5: morels. <laughs> I, I, I would still bet that mycology people are some of the world's greatest minds. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with that they have been working on this. There's been, like, business interest from places to, to solve this issue. Uh, universities have, have started programs, and they crumbled because they couldn't do it. Uh, Michigan State was the most recent one. They gave it a shot, and I think after a
0: few years, um, they, they stopped their efforts because it wasn't happening. Well, like, okay, do you have a – you don't need to know this. It's still interesting. But why? Why is, it hard to, why is it hard to get a morale to take? Or does if, it, do well, people not know if, why it's If hard? I could answer that, then I, I would grow them. Well, no, because you could say to me, like, um, why is it hard to split an atom? Mm. And I would say, I think it has something to do with how small they are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't mm-hmm. have the answer to. Because you can't
5: hit it with an ax. That's right. You know? So all these people have tried and failed to grow morels, except for Ronald where this grad student, 1982, San Francisco University. He figured it out. And uh, he was the first person to successfully harvest lab-grown morel mushrooms. And this is true. This is true. This is true. But three months before his patent was granted, he was murdered. Oh. Yeah. I love it. And uh, he left behind. By a, the wild Morel lovers <laughs> societies. Uh, I've, I've dug into this story and I wish there were more to it. Like murdered. I, I wish I could generate some kind of conspiracy theory that it was like Papa John and Jimmy John and <laughs> and uh Dave Thomas were after him but th- they couldn't do it but it was it, it goes that uh it was teenagers in a park and it was a botched mugging and that's
3: that's what killed Ronald Ower.
0: Yeah, you know what Jeffrey Epstein hung himself. Yeah. There
3: you yeah, go. Yeah, I don't yeah. buy that. <laughs> that's a perfect start to a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So with the grave Ower to Because the good a good conspiracy theory. Um what a good conspiracy theory needs is it needs that the, the story that there's just always a little part missing. Right? There's a little something that's not right. Mm-hmm. And that is the fertilizer of a conspiracy theory. Like, like, why, like, why did Jack Ruby kill Lee Harvey Oswald? You can't explain it. It's mm-hmm. like, you can't explain it. So therein lies the like the thing, yeah. yeah. And there's other parts of it too. But like therein lies the like until you explain that to me, mm-hmm. I will believe everything anyone tells me. And,
5: and part of what is like generated more interest around this than than it maybe warrants is that he had a lucrative contract with Domino's Pizza. To like grow morales and, oh, and give them really? their formula. And like any good patent, uh, he so left out. So Little Caesars. It was the Little Caesars. Yeah, dude. That's, that's what They I'm thought saying. it was
0: kids because he's so short. The Little Caesars guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been it. Got, got a total spear. Yeah, <laughs> that little spear and that
5: little mm-hmm. robe. Uh, and, and his patent language was vague enough that anybody can go find it, but they haven't been able to replicate it. So this is what we, we talked about last time. And he took it to the grave. Took it to the grave. Yep, took it to the to the pyre. Now, within the last few days, a story out of I think the Des Moines Register maybe uh, has talked about a mushroom farmer um, in I think Vinter, Iowa, is what it was called. Who is on track to harvest hundreds of pounds of morales this year or hundred pounds of morales of, of ones that he has grown. Oh, I just thought he's out at Doug Duran's farm. M- maybe oh. uh, he's grown them at his farm. And he said, he told the, the reporter that he wants to harvest a thousand pounds next spring and he thinks he can do it. And after we get done with the podcast and I have a phone call with him Oh, to hear about like what. If if Ronald Owers Patton had any inspiration, if he can tell me any details about what he's doing, um, how long he's been working on it, things like that, he did say on his Facebook page that he will start selling morel mushroom grow kits this fall.
4: What? Whoa! Which which? Well, this it could plenty be also. But the, you it, said you, that you, there's you, a bunch you, of, you. of grow kits on the internet right now, right? For,
5: for twenty nine ninety nine, you could go buy a number of different morel mushroom
0: grow kits. You know, dog seeds morels. Doug Dern, mm-hmm. no, what I'm saying, not morels, Doug seeds mushrooms. Yes. You can, you can inoculate. Into stumps. Yeah. Cal was saying that you can take a chainsaw. Tell this, Cal.
4: Yeah, I had uh, folks write in, and a couple of folks that I, I've known for a while, that uh, they'll take all their little mushroom trimmings and stuff and put it in, blend it up, put it in their bar and chain oil.
0: No, I thought you were saying they put it in canola oil.
4: Well, that's, that's what for they're the organic. Using for, that's for the organic people. Yeah, but that's what they're using <laughs> for Bar and Chain. I see. Yeah, uh, and then when they're cutting stumps, they feel like they're seeding. It's getting it right, getting it right in there, getting everywhere. it right in there. Yeah. yeah,
5: yeah. But there's like a there's a big difference between what you're going to talk about, Cal, and just like taking the water that you wash morales with, yeah. and, and tossing that across your lawn, and then maybe having a morel, a few morales grow. Like, there's a big difference between that. And commercial farming them.
4: Absolutely. Yeah.
5: And and that's- Cal's what, like a morel magnet. I don't know if you know about this yeah, about Cal. Yeah. But this guy- He finds them where they don't exist. This guy in Iowa claims you have, have done it. Uh, and, and, and until until I talk to him, even then, and like he does this year over year, I'll be skeptical because Cal could go light the Bridger Mountains on fire and then go harvest thousands of pounds of morel mushrooms next year. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that he farmed them or, or grew them. This guy just must- like, could be in uh, an advantageous place. When he's lighting fires. What, not necessarily fires, but, no. like, uh, just something stressed out. And the Morales grew this year. And he thinks, oh, uh, you know, I did this thing, so this is the result. And oh. I, can, I can replicate it again next year and the year yeah. after that. Um, At so, the time
0: people hear this, you'll have spoke to this gentleman. That's right. Uh, Which would be great. I have some it's suggestions dying. of questions I would ask him. Tell me. Well, I, I called him, like, on my way
5: here because I've been trying to track down his phone number, uh, and he was actively picking morale mushrooms, but it was raining. He's like, I can't talk. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> so
0: that, that's why it's the like, phone calls is yeah, something.
4: That is yeah. awesome.
0: Uh,
5: here's Got 100
4: pounds. Here's a couple things pounds.
0: I would be curious to ask him. One, you can take care of my question about, like, um, in a couple sentences, explaining to me, like, why is it hard? Mm-hmm. Not You don't need to give me trade secrets, but just why is it hard? My next question would be: Do you fear for your life?
4: <laughs> oh, I love it. Good job. There, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a
5: chance he's never even like he's not even familiar with this story, so I could he be introducing fate, right?
4: Yeah, right. better beef up that security. I'd be like stay out
5: of parks. Yep. Oh, late at night.
4: Um, I w- okay. One time, I was at a party, found out that there is a professor of mycology at the same party. I immediately corner that. Poor individual. Open bar. Uh, it was a very open bar. <laughs> okay, go on. Yes,
0: Spencer. Spencer. He can picture it. I'm in.
4: <laughs> I, uh, and I'm just peppering him with every morel question I have. And I, I, I love picking mushrooms. Um,
5: this sounds like a great party. Very open bar and a mycology
4: person there. Oh mm. yeah, that would, believe me. It's like
0: it's almost like someone designed it. Yes.
4: There were foresters. There were mycologists. <laughs> it was a great time for uh, somebody who's not any of those things, but loves questions, right. loves, loves asking questions. <laughs> um, and I would ask him a question about more else And he'd be like, well, it could be this, it could be that, but you know, nobody really knows. <laughs> and I'd have another question. Well, it could be this, could be that, but nobody really knows. And so eventually I got to the point where I was like, so let me get this straight. You teach a class <laughs> and you get paid to do this. But you don't have any answers to any questions, and he's like, "Yep, yeah, it's a pretty like, good gig." Yeah, like <laughs> mul- it's like
0: multiple choice questions, um, like which of these things don't we know? Stuff like that.
4: Yeah. <laughs> um, but as far as like the commercial harvesting goes, uh, I mean, there are I-, I have run into like these mega camps of folks that follow mushrooms around. The, the country and like and commercial pickers, commercial pickers. Yeah, yeah, a lot of
0: people, a lot of people from Southeast Asia.
4: Yeah, and and man, just some real rednecks, too. I mean, it's it's a colorful Regular American out rednecks, there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I I have spots that um are not marked by fire, most of them would be like old logging operations that have have uh, you know, come back with some undergrowth and stuff. Uh, that I have consistently picked over and over and over again for five, six, seven years. Hmm. Um, some years are better than, than others, but you're constantly just paying attention to the weather. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's just all sorts of things that can kind of make that snap happen and mushrooms start shooting up. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm dying to know. Cause yeah, I've spread mushroom spores all over and like. I, I uh, put down in that article that you helped me with, um, like, I have, when I'm packing mushrooms around, I do my best to let those spores drop on the ground as I'm packing them around the woods before I head for home.
0: I've um, heard that, and I don't know where this is at, because this is something that I heard a long, long time ago when I first started to develop an interest in wild mushrooms. But I remember seeing where someone was saying that, like, sowing Spores, maybe not. uh, I hesitate to say this because it's kind of been negated by the fact that you can seed mushrooms. But someone's saying that, like, you carrying your morels in a basket, say, so that the spores can fall out, that that, that's like a laughable that that would be effective. And the argument, and I don't, I'm not weighing in on this. I'm just telling you, like, an argument that was articulated to me was that they're omnipresent. Yeah. So, you know they've done these studies I remember looking at this one time they went into a, a school okay and they like came in with a, a some mushroom or another in a sealed container and they opened it in a room of the school and they waited periods of time and took air samples right around the school and like how long it was till that till spores from that mushroom could be located no matter where you took an air sample in the school I th- I think I'm getting this right uh and they were saying that It's like all the spores are everywhere. It's just, is it suitable? Like the limiting factor is the suitability of the habitat. The limiting factor is not the presence of the seed. But then um, the fact that I personally know people who seed and yield and and get wild mushrooms kind of like flies in the face of that. Yeah. Yeah idea
4: yeah and 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 this guy this professor at this party was like
0: except for the fact that you're making the habitat too
4: yeah, yeah you're
0: not just throwing seeds around you're making habitat
4: and and i because the the host of the party um is was one of my mushroom picking buddies and he has like the big custom uh backpack basket Mm-hmm. And part of the the deal with the basket is not only breathability for your mushrooms. So to keep them nice, getting all funky, um, but also to let those spores drop. And he was just like, Man, it's like there's spores on this kitchen counter right now. There's spores on the freaking lamppost outside. He's <laughs> like, They're just, he's like, They are everywhere.
0: Yeah, It's like coronavirus, man. It's yeah. just coating everything.
4: And I have found. On those days, you know, it's like good soaking rain. And then all of a sudden it's kind of muggy in the morning and 80 degrees. And I have found mushrooms in crazy places because all of a sudden I'm like, ah, oh, it's just kind of mushroom weather. And I, and I just look. Yeah. You
0: found one uh, in a gravel patch next to a manhole cover in downtown Boise. <laughs> yeah,
4: exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: When I was a tree man, uh, <laughs> we would now and then find morels growing out of wood chips.
4: Oh, really?
0: Yeah. And it'd be like, you'd just be in a yard or whatever, or even in a place where, like, because you'd shred bark. See, when you're a tree man, you just have a lot of exposure to wood chips and bark and whatnot. And now and then, you'd see where someone must have shredded, you know, an apple tree or cottonwood or somehow, and there was some mycelium there. I don't really know how it works. And then and nowhere near a living specimen of the tree that it would associate with would be a morel sticking out of a wood chip pile. And I always just made the assumption that that was a, you know, like a, an appropriate host tree that had been ground up and yeah. carried the, like the requisite.
4: Yeah. Whatever. And then it just found carried the like,
0: requisite, whatever. And then here it is growing in some dudes. to
4: mix a shade, sun, heat, cold.
0: Yeah. You know. Water,
4: dryness. Yeah, and here it was growing
0: like out of a wood chip pile on top of a guy's driveway or something. You know. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't have a
5: lot of faith that like carrying morales in a basket or like a mesh bag will help you propagate more morale mushrooms in the future. Um, I think it's been shown that like they release most of their spores as soon as they emerge from the ground. But it, it's like Mark Kenyon talks about with his super extensive scent control process that he does for whitetails to like if it gives him a one percent chance better odds of killing that deer or something like that then he's gonna do it. Yeah and, and this is just like such a it's low great effort way of looking thing, at it. just like such a low effort thing to do that it, if it helps, awesome. If it yeah. doesn't, you're not like giving up anything. Yeah
0: it's to, like when people say it. like do you really need do you really need <laughs> camo to kill an elk? I'm like uh prove <laughs> to me that it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> prove to me that it's a deficit. Yeah. You know.
4: Yeah. And where's our definitions of needs right now? Um but the big thing for me for air, oh like you're those baskets and mesh bags and stuff like that is you will get like if you're not careful, like if you leave a bunch of morels in a cooler, uh or a plastic bag or you know, something that lacks that breathability, you will get within you know, six seven hours a a white mold forming on mm-hmm. on those shrooms, which which I've eaten plenty of times because I wasn't going to give up on the mushroom, but um, it it doesn't look good.
0: I was actively drying some rels when I got a call from my dad telling me he had six months to live.
4: Oh really? Yeah, that's an interesting. He was dead on
0: nuts too because he died like just right after Christmas Day, so you could go yeah dead on balls.
4: He was like, Steve, how's this date work for
0: you? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. You don't have any disdain for morels then? No, I just remember that. I remember like where I was staying and what I was doing. We'd taken the, like Cal, we were talking about, we had taken the door off the, we'd taken the screen door off the house, put it over two saw horses and we're trying morels on it. And the phone rang. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Uh, oh, no, but you didn't explain the mushroom shavings.
4: Oh yeah, so I picked a bunch uh mushrooms, not a bunch, but my first ones of the year when I was out chasing turkeys around. Um, and what were those
0: mushrooms doing?
4: So uh it was odd. So they're real dark, like the mushrooms that you would associate with burn. Yeah, Morchella
0: conicus. Um, <laughs> or not. Morchella Esculenta, I don't know. I I don't know if this stuff's all lies or not. The big yellows, the big
4: These were these were, you know, dark More towards black, brown, more cony,
0: yep, more cony, more more celloconicus,
4: and uh, they they were in a, I mean old burn, but Mm -hmm. you know it's coming back. That country burns all the time anyway. Um, It was like oh that's cool, and and there's a pretty good pile of them, and you know those uh, our leafy tops, yep, have that kind of annoying pocket on the inside of them. Our leafy, uh, you know, three D tops, the first light one. Yeah, but I don't
0: know about an annoying pocket in there.
4: Yeah, it's kind of hidden in there, but it's a big mesh pocket. Turns out, I mean, that's pretty, and it's real <laughs> soft. Pretty <laughs> ideal for packing mushrooms that's around. That's what, that must
0: be what I was built into that.
4: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Do, can you then, make
0: this with a mushroom pocket?
4: <laughs> and then, uh and they're like, oh, you must be a turkey hunter. Um, <laughs> and then the next day, complete, like, you know, that clay soil out in eastern Montana. This is on a an old two track that hadn't even been driven on and all the little uh, like mole mounds coming up. There were some like bright yellow kind of golden morels, two of them growing out of that. No. Uh, Yes. I was just like, uh, okay, sure. You know, spent 10 minutes looking around and not a mushroom around there. Yeah. But so anyway, um, just enough to eat. Um, so I, I, uh, that chunk of halibut that you gave me, I would um. Long time ago. Yeah.
0: Okay.
4: Yeah. Last summer. Yep. Um, I'd cooked up the morels and threw them on top of that halibut and it was real tasty. And then all the little trimmings, including all the, uh, you know, the gills on the outside that kind of fell off. I just, you know, couldn't just throw those in the compost bucket. I just evenly distributed them amongst all the plants that I have in the in the in the house,
0: because you're trying to spread the love out, or because you, you're like, who knows? Maybe someday I'll come home. And there'll be a morel sitting If it here.
4: gives me a one percent chance, <laughs> <There> yeah. <you go. laughs>
0: yeah. Tell me how it, it would make it less likely that a morel <laughs> grew out of that flower pot. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. I don't care what time of day it is. I will be calling you and be like, "Holy shit! <laughs> <yeah! laughs> you got to get over here."
0: Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, man, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you've learned anything, it's that there is always a catch. to you, ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for fifteen bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three month unlimited wireless plan for just fifteen bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com/meat eater. That's mintmobile.com/meat eater. Cut your wireless bill to fifteen bucks a month at mintmobile.com/meat eater.
4: upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
0: Being prepared is all about having the right tools. The OnX Off-Road Map and Navigation app is the best to find off-road trails and off-grid camping and to use fully functional GPS when you're out of service. And, as we all know, that... Being out of service is usually where the best places start. Plus, there's color-coded public and private land boundaries, which are super handy for finding off-grid camping. And I said it before, but I want to make sure it sticks. Offline maps. What this means is it allows you to access all interactive land and trail data and custom map markups when you're out of service. Just download the map ahead of time. Your phone's internal GPS gives you full navigation capabilities offline so you'll always know where you are and how to get home safely. I've been using OnX for many years. I use it, I'm not joking, on a daily basis. There is zero hunting I do without OnX. Go to onxmaps.com and use code MEATEATER to get 20% off your membership today. The ice fishing things. I've had my list of stuff, but I never got around to but I just want to hit on him real quick. This guy was talking about, his name is Stewbeard. I like it. He's talking about fishing one time, and a big wind gust came along and flipped his ice shack off of him. Okay. Well, another guy wrote in about his wife. They get that they're moving spots, and they pull all the gear out, and he unstakes the shanty. And she decides to pee in the hole real quick before they pull the shanty down. But then the wind, he pulls the stakes out. So then she's in the middle of peeing and the wind blows the shanty off. This guy's saying that the wind blows the shanty off. The shanty, like, grabs his rod. His rod pulls up. It's hooked. The rod's, like, in the shanty. The shanty is blowing off across the lake. But his hook on his teardrop comes out of the hole, hooks the meat of his hand. And he's, like, then attached to. The shanty and rod blowing away across the lake. He said, that hurt. (laughs) It was Eskimo quick fish.
4: Um, Feeling a little helpless, maybe.
0: (laughs) Another guy says, this one I don't know, man. I want to believe it. He says he's fishing 100 feet of water for whitefish. Pulls up a rod and reel combo. And gets it all the way up, and there's a dead lake whitefish still on the end of the line. I don't know.
3: I don't know. Why not? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) stranger things have happened.
0: And you know how augers are collapsible where you put the shaft into the body and there's like a little turnkey to tighten it? This guy says he didn't do that little turnkey. And um, he says that auger is good for one hole. (laughs) 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 He says the minute it punched through,
5: whoop. (laughs) <laughs> and to get that back out, that'd be like threading a needle oh, to, to get it out the oh, same you'd hole. Oh, you have to get it just right, right. and never get back <laughs> out
0: that same hole. Another uh, oh. thing I want to talk about, this guy wrote in for some advice. This is interesting. So he's, he's speaking of civil discipline, speaking of Joe carrying through at his wedding unit if it's against the law. Um, so Ohio, okay, so he's in Ohio. No, he's not in Ohio. He's in another state. But he has a hunting property in Ohio. The state then says that they are not permitting the sale of non resident fishing or hunting licenses. So here he is. He's got a hunting, he's in Indiana, I think. He's got a hunting, he he signed this letter, a disgruntled hunter. Uh, he's in Indiana, has a hunting property in Ohio. Ohio then turns around and says, no non-resident hunting. He feels that this is very, very unfair because he's paying taxes on that land. And he says he's been calling the Ohio DNR and everyone else who will listen to tell them just how irate he is. How can someone tell him what he can and can't do on his own land? He even says, I don't have the vocabulary to articulate how mad I am. What are your thoughts? Am I out of line?
2: Uh, Yeah.
0: Like, I would say so. Because who cares if you own the land? What about dudes that don't own land? But if they were going to go hunt on their uncle's farm, or they were going to hunt on some public land, or they were going to, like, is it really that, if you, is it like the, like the,
3: if you own land, you're more special. But if he's staying there and he's been there for a certain amount of time, I could see why I'd be mad because. He like, doesn't say that. No, I'm just going off of a reference or anecdotal evidence because my grandparents have the same thing happen in Montana.
0: Oh, really? He wants yeah. to bill the governor for his tax. <laughs> he wants to send an <laughs>
3: invoice to the governor to get his taxes back. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Okay, go on, Joe. What were we saying?
3: But yeah, so my great. So, you think it's
0: special if you own
3: the land? I don't think it's necessarily special, but like if you're staying in the state, like especially when the lockdown happened, mm-hmm. and then they cancel hunting seasons for non residents, but say you own this piece of property, you're staying on that piece of property over a certain amount of time, and they still won't let you hunt your piece of property. I could see that being frustrating. Well, say you rent it. I could still see that being frustrated.
2: Like let's if say, you're taking up residency for say, a certain amount of time.
0: I just don't see, I want to be clear about this. I don't see, Um, I, I don't see that the state has an obligation to factor in whether or not you own it versus that your uncle owns it, that you lease it, that you have a friend who lets you Blank, like, I don't know that the state needs to go, no, no, no. But if your name is on the title, no, I totally get that.
3: And I, it I'm, just seems like you're, you're it. like you're like, I can you're, just you're... see why he's upset, you know? Oh, oh absolutely, yeah, I'd absolutely. I'd be upset That's too. where I was in because my grandma was pissed. Okay, oh, but that she she was this sure. very I thing, shoot a
0: turkey. This very thing happened to Brody. Okay, this yep. very thing happened to Brody, but I don't think Brody went off sending people invoices for his taxes, no. I think that's taking it a step too far. It, he didn't he take it. Okay, anger. he didn't take it personally. He just took it to be like that. Sucks. Yeah, for sure. But it wasn't like this is another way the man sticks it to me.
4: Yeah, man. And
0: I feel, and, and I feel, um, on the spectrum of responses to COVID nineteen, I feel that the handling of the hunting, fishing end of things has been botched by some states
4: hard to see otherwise
0: yeah i I feel that some states have done a real piss poor job
4: i mean what a crappy situation to be in try to (laughs) figure all that stuff out but my god i think it's
0: people i picture people sitting in a room and they get presented with like yeah well what about yeah well what about and they do that for a couple minutes and then they're like all right, no one fishes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they they storm out, you know what I mean? Because you're like, well, you know, but I mean, let's say, right? Maybe you shouldn't be able to fish in real crowded places. But what if it's? They're just yeah. like, ah. They probably I got had a lot to do. They probably had that <laughs>
3: conversation. Like, what about the people that own property here? They probably had that conversation. And yeah, said, and some nobody. guy
0: got frustrated yeah. and stormed out and just said, "To hell with It's like with your kids. Yeah. Yeah, you go from the you can watch TV for like a half hour to like never mind. No one's watching television. <laughs> yeah.
3: so you throw the remote in a drawer and you are like, everybody get to the rooms.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of that happened.
4: Yeah, I, the you know it's it's on the passion subjects, right? Because had a lot of people write in to me on the. uh well, I can't, now I can't hunt public land. What the hell good is it to me? I'm going to vote that we sell all this and then we can do that. And I'm like, um. That'll know, fix That'll fix myself. You know, uh, you, you can't go into bars and restaurants right now either.
0: Should we burn them all down?
4: <laughs> what do you want to do with those? It's like, ah. Uh.
0: Yeah, we, that was a good analogy when you brought this up. It's like. Yeah, are you proposing that they close permanently bars because you can't go there tonight? <laughs> Damn it, then I never want to go there.
4: What good is it to me now?
3: <laughs> or in Spencer's case, he'd be like, all these bars better be free when they open back yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they me
0: <only laughs> treat me to a night. Like who wants to, Who wants to tackle the alarming new rabbit disease? Too distant. It's up Cal's alley. I can live with I can live with COVID nineteen, but I cannot live with the rabbit. <laughs> I thought the rabbit same thing when I read hemorrhagic. This, the rabbit hemorrhagic disease to me is alarming.
4: Oh man! Yeah. And, but they so, need to
0: quarantine rabbits.
4: So so similar too, and I, I think that's why this this person who wrote in is so alarmed. So you know, it's a relatively new disease on the scene. It ripped through Europe, um, which I had a. a Intended to do a lot more research on this because I wanted to do some writing you on You mean when it, I but... sent
0: it to you a few minutes ago? Or you'd already been looking at this? <laughs> uh,
4: I think I got it earlier in the week. Um, but I think there's a lot more cultivation of rabbits in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, domestic rabbits in Europe.
0: It's so like more common to...
4: Yeah. You know, have rabbit But You'd have it like that. for
0: producing food and whatnot. Yes.
4: Yeah. yeah Meat rabbits. Um,
0: also, they were getting hit. Yes. Uh I wasn't even thinking about it from a, like a ag perspective. Yeah. I was just thinking about it as a rabbit
4: hunter. And you got to, you got to think from the ag perspective, it's, it's totally catastrophic.
0: Oh, that's something that occurred to me, man. Yeah. People that raise rabbits, they got to be sweating.
4: Yeah. Um, so this new variant is RHD V2. I'm assuming that's for version two or variant two. Um, but it is now here in the, uh, in, in North America. It's in two Mexican states, Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and most recently in Southern Colorado. While apparently not a health concern for humans, reports, uh, this gentleman has received are estimating deaths in the thousands to tens of thousands of animals. Ugh. Um. And uh, the basically they want, they want some uh, citizen science help on this. And so if you're out uh, anywhere and you see what appears to be an outwardly healthy looking rabbit dead, um, but maybe has a little bit of uh, blood coming out of its eyes or nose or uh, probably any orifice, so there's some places that you can, uh, call into, but basically if you just call into your state wildlife, they're, they're aware of this, uh, disease that's on the scene. And interestingly enough, timing is everything. Cause I was talking with, uh, Hansi here in the office, one of our editors and on, on the lack of white meat in the wild game diet. If mm-hmm. you're a resident of the state of Montana.
0: It's, they're just down. And but not because of this.
4: One thing you can source is cottontail rabbits. And man, all through high school, early parts of college for me, cottontails were on just an epic population boom in this state. And I would just stack up cottontails before I'd leave Eastern Montana for the year. Yeah. And that was, they're excellent eating. Um, but now, uh... I'm all gung ho to go source a bunch of rabbits. And then, uh, what did I call it? RHDV two comes on the scene. Well, so. this
0: is what I've been thinking about, about this because, uh, my brother's an avid rabbit hunter as well. And, uh, I love to hunt rabbits and he lives in great cottontail country. And he was saying that like the last, you know, they're, they're, they're cyclical, not as predictably as snowshoe hares, which run on like a seven year cycle. Uh, Hold that thought. I'll, I'll tell you. You know the the, the cycle of snowshoe hares. Some people attribute it even to sun flares and different explanations. But but snowshoe hares has this really predictable up down cycle. And these historians once um went and looked at the relationship between lynx and snowshoe hares because uh, lynx feel the effects of a collapsed resource very quickly. We did a podcast episode the other day with a python expert, the Burmese pythons in Florida. And he was pointing out that, like, a Burmese python can go so long without eating, like months and months without eating, that when their prey species collapses, like when they eat themselves out of house and home, you don't immediately be like, oh, and then they'll all die because there's nothing to eat. He goes, they can just go into this sort of state of just like languished suspension. And not just fall over dead, but lynx, when rabbit numbers go down, like lynx feel it like very quickly. And I think that their ability to to bring, to wean young drops off and you'll have lynx that like just are not, there's zero recruitment. Like they're not able to take care of babies. They're not able to effectively have babies. So when snowshoe hare numbers collapse, lynx numbers collapse. These historians went into the Hudson Bay Company records, and they, Hudson Bay Company, they kept pretty amazing records. And they were able to show that there was a seven-year cycle of lynx hides. Yeah. And tie it to the known seven year cycle of snowshoe hair populations. But like my brother who's an avid rabbit hunter was saying we haven't had a great cottontail year since 2008 in his neck of the woods. It's been a long, long time. And I got thinking like about this disease. I've been lamenting the sort of general lack of cottontails within hundreds of miles a year. Um, they're not gone, but they're not like no. You know, like walking through and they're just like, sometimes it's kind of, you feel like something's wrong. There's so many of them. But uh then I was like, maybe it's good because if, if there, maybe the, it will make the disease not spread well. Oh yeah. Like yeah. if there was a ton of them, you'd be like, well, there's so much interconnectedness, yeah, but maybe if, if yeah. this thing rolls through and I don't know, I don't know if it's, I don't know anything about it. I don't know if it stays, if it just passes through. If it's a permanent fixture, I don't know, let's just say it's a thing that passes through, it'd have a pretty shitty time passing through right now, this neck of the woods.
4: Yeah, yeah, it can not carry it from population to population. It's not going to find so. anybody.
5: But the states you're talking about, they also have to have like a very dispersed cottontail population. I would imagine. Like I, I think about some of the arid places in Nebraska and South Dakota that I've gone, like in southwestern South Dakota – you could go, like, dozens of miles without seeing a cottontail. And then if some rancher has a green backyard, there'll be, like, five cottontails in this little area. And uh, I imagine that's, like, a lot of what New Mexico and Arizona and southern Colorado and still
0: seeing have it. going as well. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, so there's got to be density. big holes in the habitat. It's not yeah. like – we used to hunt rabbits in southern Illinois, and it was just, like, a continuous – Right. It was, like, all rabbit country. Yeah. If you
5: there know? was a distribution map for cottontails in Illinois, it would just be – Every the whole state. You know.
4: Yeah, man, the in those heyday <laughs> years, um, I would not pester a rabbit at all until literally the day I was leaving camp from either just hanging out and hunting there or guiding. Uh, there's a stock tank right next to a big hay yard. And I'd drive up out of camp with all my stuff loaded up, park at the hay yard, pull the twenty-two from behind the seat, walk around the hay yard. Get a lot of rabbits, pile them up next to the stock tank, skin everybody, give everybody a good rinse, pitch pitch them all in the back of the truck. And that was just like the last, it was just like a very tidy, efficient grocery run before I headed back to school.
0: Then you go home and make rabbit tempura or whatever it is you're doing.
4: Yeah, just have a lot of good white meat that everybody thought was chicken.
0: Final thought (laughs) on rabbits. We, some of the biggest rabbit, um... some of the biggest rabbit killings I was ever engaged in were where ranchers had gone in and poisoned off prairie dog colonies. Mm. And then those prairie dog colonies would get colonized by cottontail rabbits. And you just look out with your binoculars across a prairie dog town and every little, those little hump holes, there'd be like a pair of ears sitting there, man. And just so many that they're like trying to find any place to get protection. They would just sit down in the they would kind of lower themselves down in the prairie dog colonies. We one time, me and my two brothers got 35 of them out of prairie dog holes. Wow. My one brother, Danny, he went and laid after a while, he went and laid down in the back of the truck. He'd had enough. (laughs) (laughs) Had had enough. Uh moving on. Spencer, I was putting the heat to you a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. Um We're going to talk about a handful of things Spencer's been working on. But uh, explain to me again, like, what's your problem with turkeys? I don't have a problem with turkeys. I just, uh,
5: as far as, like, hunting, which is my favorite thing in the world, and then, like, turkeys, I'm just kind of, like, lukewarm with them. Like, I I could take it or leave it some years. Um, But I don't don't know. It's, It's not a
3: Midwestern whitetail.
5: I, well, not just whitetails, like I, w- I would pick elk hunting overhead, I would pick whitetails, I'd pick mule deer, antelope, whatever. Rock uh, picking? R- rock picking, that's, that's been part of it uh, <laughs> this spring, That's that's been a new interest. But uh,
0: Yeah, why, why the rock picking? Or no, first, like, so turkeys is because what? Because they're cool looking, they gobble, they walk around on the woods, like what don't you like about them? I, I like everything all the meat? about turkeys. I, I oh.
5: uh, that that could be they one. They make thing. a crazy noise. You Maybe. don't like your crazy noise? Yeah, no, no, that's that's them. all cool. I dig <laughs> all that stuff, especially the meat. I wish there was like ten times more of it though. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. a deer's worth of turkey breast. That's right. <laughs> so- then, then I'd be real motivated. <laughs> yeah, real motivated. Oh
2: so. man, you got like
3: forty pounds of turkey breast on that's there. That's right. Yeah. I could dig that. It's okay, Spencer. I'm with you on that. I'm I'm about lukewarm with turkeys too. Mm. So you guys are wrong.
0: My wife the other night told me uh, just last night she told me that if I didn't know you and I heard you talking, I was talking to my neighbor about turkeys. And she said, if I didn't know you and I heard you talking to him the way you're talking to him right now, I would think that you were just kind of a weird, creepy dude (laughs) who's got like a thing about turkeys. (laughs) (laughs) But I know you and it's, she's like, but I know you and it's cute. It's like an appropriate. I'm glad you like it. She's like, I know you and that's true.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: So I dig turkeys. Yeah.
5: I just like the the, the COVID thing. And, uh, you know, I had multiple tags in South Dakota that I just never even went back and hunted with. Hmm. Uh, well, because you couldn't. Right, right. And so, like, I was just like, well, you know, this is maybe a good excuse to uh, not hunt very much this spring. And pick up rock picking. Pick up rock picking. That's been a, a newfound hobby. It's a good but, activity you know, the, the for thing
0: the about, whole family. Yeah, but the thing about your new rock picking thing, mm-hmm. and we haven't talked a whole lot about it, is that... I feel as though uh, I'm always suspicious of people who start new things. <laughs> and I feel as though you kind of like sort of like very deliberately went out and started rock picking. Well, I've, I've always been like interested
5: in rock. Sorry, rock hounding. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah rock guys, that's, like that's, that's, that's a cool thing. Uh, I, like any of you guys here, like if you're out hunting and you come across something cool on the ground, you're like, oh, this is I'm gonna take this with me. I like this. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, I've always had that amount of interest in no. it. Uh, and then Corona happened, um, and it's just like I'm traveling less and things like that. And and sort of the genesis of it is that um, my wife, who's not really interested in, in turkey hunting or fishing or uh, things like that, like, we wanted a way to, like, do some more things outside. And this is something that she was interested in as well. So it was, like, a good lane for the both of us to go out and do something that she would like equally enjoy. Are those Yellowstone agates? So I brought three things because you said we were going to be talking about new things that we learned over over Corona. So I've got one thing here. It's a piece of petrified wood. It's kind of standard for the Yellowstone. And That's then, beautiful. Yeah. And then I've got wow. a Montana agate here, which is unique to the Yellowstone River. And then my prize. Well, so this
0: piece of wood looks almost, the piece of petrified wood looks almost milled. Yeah. Isn't that
5: crazy? My my wife had it multiple times where like she thought it was just a standard piece of wood on the ground, then pick it up and like, oh, this is petrified wood. That's how like yeah, distinct some of it is. And that's your Yellowstone egg. That's a, that's a Yellowstone agate or Montana agate, that's as a they're nice called. Agate. Are you going to cut it? I don't think we will because we haven't found enough. Do you have um, a
4: rock tumbler
2: yet?
5: I I have one running as we speak nice. in my garage.
2: That's <laughs> serious. Nice. Yeah. yeah, Yep. That's
0: great. And then and then the prize thing. Can we can we slow up for a minute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. I used to hang out. I used to socialize with a guy named Ray the Rockman, and he was an agate collector. He was a commercial agate picker mm-hmm. out in Mile City. This guy had five gallon buckets full of mammoth molars and had some bison antiqua skulls. Anyhow, he would get them and cut them to find if it was like gem quality or mm-hmm. whatever. And I bought a pair of beautiful agate earrings for my wife. Yeah, and she still wears them. Hey, are, do you have interest in like cutting this open and seeing if it's like a earring inside? Not, not to that level. Like I said, uh, we've only
5: found probably about a half dozen agates right now, so I'd like to keep them whole for what we have. Well,
0: I think that you're. If this is your definition of an agate, I think you're overlooking a lot of shitty agates. This is a certainly, beautiful agate. Certainly. On on a scale of one to ten, like my knowledge
5: of rock counting is like a three. Well, and there's it, a lot of agates that are lame. I mean, this is like a this is like a.
0: A gorgeous agate.
5: Yeah. Well, and it's even prettier if you were in like natural light and you held it up to the sun, it, it just glows. Uh, no. And that's that's how some of the agates are. I've never, sp- I've never
0: found one like like that. Yeah. I'd be very eager to cut that open. Yeah.
5: yeah.
4: Well, what you need, like the 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 prime, right, is like having a core in here that isn't fractured.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what Ray the Rockman was after, is whether or not it's cracked inside. Yeah. You better tell folks how an agate gets formed. So
5: again, I just said I have three out of 10 knowledge on this, but my understanding is that, uh, like the Yellowstone volcano, when that has gone off, uh, I think during the Pleistocene era, um, that left ash and lava spread out all over the, the Rocky mountain region. And then when it rained, that rain combined with the volcanic ash
0: and lava is what created these agates. That's not my understanding. I'm, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Go. I'm not telling you this is what it is. I'm sure we'll hear about it. Mm-hmm. Joe, can you watch for the pr- correct answer? <laughs> yeah. When it comes in via yeah. email? Oh, definitely. We'll get it. What I've heard mm-hmm. from Ray the Rock Man Baker is that the lava flows would engulf chunks of wood. Mm-hmm. That wood would burn inside the lava and it would create cavities. Over time, rainwater would percolate down through the lava, collect in these cavities, dry up and leave the precipitates in the cavity. And eventually the cavity would be full of the precipitates that came through that rainwater. The lava would erode away because it's soft Mm -hmm. and would liberate these hunks of what he would call agatized wood. Well, so we're we're not disagreeing on what we said. Uh, I feel there's a
5: pretty strong disagreement. <laughs> <laughs> you just went into more detail. It's like a combination of volcanic materials, lava and ash, and then water. And it's funny you talked about the tree thing because oh
0: ash, you did say ash. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. This
5: yeah. is like so we're not totally in a fight. The most prized thing that we found. And this is a piece of agatized petrified wood. What? Yeah. No. It, yeah. Yeah. You can't see it well in here because this isn't like the best lit place. But you go outside. And you hold that up to the sun. It's kind of overcast today. And you'll see like the orange glow in there. So I have a, a piece of petrified wood. I have an agate. And then I have a piece of agatized petrified wood.
0: Man, this is all just from one spring of being a rock hound.
5: Yeah, yeah. This is probably from about eight times we've gone out. We probably have 25, 30 pieces of wood, uh, half dozen pieces of agates. Or the, like, I think the technical term, if they don't have banding, an agate is just chalcedanine. And so then, you and
0: Mrs. Newharth just head out in the... She in, didn't
5: take my last name.
0: Same thing as... Uh, I ran into that problem. just kills me. <laughs> when her mom, when, uh, when my wife's mother sends her... It, it burns my wife's mother worse than me. <laughs> when my wife's mother sends my wife a package or an envelope, she messes with her because she'll put down... Ranella, Kate. Mm-hmm. She'll put down Katie Ranella, even though it's not her name. It, my, my wife's mother likes to admonish her for not taking my name. Uh,
4: <laughs> I was traveling with uh, Steve and his wife, and I uh, we were we were traveling in tight confines, and his wife was making a dinner reservation, and I noticed that she then chose to take <laughs> Steve's <laughs> last name. After the phone call, she sheepishly, sheepishly turned to me and said, "I'm embarrassed, but that's the only time I take my husband's last name <laughs> in the hopes of getting a dinner reservation."
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, so you guys go off, uh, you and not Mrs. Newhart. Mm-hmm. Um, go off as a little, a little a cute little couple and go hounding. Yeah, yep, yeah,
5: love it. We, uh, I throw on my Stone Glacier. We uh, look up, like, public access spots on the Yellowstone with on X and then usually it's within an hour of Bozeman that we're finding these things. The uh, the best find that we've had um, was two agates that we picked up on a gravel bar where we could see the McDonald's at Livingston. Hmm. So I, 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 I assumed that, like, oh, you got to get way far away from stuff. Because
0: picked over. Yeah, that, that
5: certainly helps to, like, get far away. Uh, but we had good success, just, like, very local
0: here. Have you been? Um, I'm more of a bone picker than a mm-hmm. than a rock picker. Yeah. Have you been checking eroded banks and stuff? For, like you roll bone picking into rock picking. Yeah. Them, yep. You know? I, I have some bones uh, that I've
5: brought home, but that that's like another level of identification that I'm I'm not down with
0: yet. So I don't know. My neighbor, um, my kid told me about this. And sent, uh, I haven't talked to my neighbor directly, but apparently he just found a fossilized tooth under five feet five feet down using earth move equipment. I'm real eager to see that tooth. Oh
5: yeah. yeah. So and with with the rock picking, like why we got into it. Uh I, I think there imagine there's comes Rock counting, rock counting, with with fatherhood that I haven't like ever experienced this emotion. But like you go hunting or fishing, and you would rather your son or daughter catch the fish or like shoot the turkey than sure. you. Right? Like you that's that's something you experience.
0: Oh, absolutely.
5: Yeah, I don't. Like, I've never... <laughs> like, if, if I thought you
0: were going to say you'd rather see your wife pick a rock I'm, than you. I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. Oh, okay. So, like,
5: I, I I don't... If I go hunting and fishing with buddies or, like, if I take my 10-year-old nephew... You're, uh, you're rooting for yourself. I'm still selfish enough that, like, I want to catch the walleye. Or, like, I want to be the one who... Dude, you got, like, that's day. like something's wrong with your head. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I've, I've assumed that, like, there's a, a switch that flips when you, when you yeah. become a father... That like your your interest changes and you're like genuinely happy for that person.
0: Yeah, I think it's like a biological switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just I think it's like sort of wired in that, that has to happen. And and this has been a new experience with me for rock counting
5: That like I would rather my wife <laughs> pick up every single cool thing we find and like then me pick up any. Like I'd rather her find twenty pieces of petrified wood than me find zero. Just well, you because know it I makes her really excited.
0: Yeah, because what you, what you're seeing is. Mm-hmm. Your path to rock picking
4: (laughs) that's what I was getting easier
0: because you're like, if she finds it and gets excited, then I can then I'll have more opportunity to go rock picking, it'll be less like a favor, Mm -hmm. it won't be like I'm asking her to go, sure. And that's a lot of the whole thing with
5: kids you want to want to go because then you can go, yeah. She makes requests like that. We go rock counting and stuff. And this last time we found an egg, it over by Big Timber, and we were like halfway home. Past Livingston stuff. And she was telling me this had been 90 minutes since we grabbed that egg. And she's like, I still have adrenaline going from when I found that egg. <laughs> that's so awesome. that's, that's, she was so shaky, she couldn't pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I really, like, I really dig that.
4: We, uh, oh, that's great, man. We it's took cute. a first time hunter out and it was really cool. It was a great, great trip. Um, but it was very lean on animals and potential for, an, like, it was just tough that way. But we found a lot of sheds. And uh, this was a, like a true first year hunter. His name was John. And he was like, man, love to find a shed, love to find a shed. And uh, my buddy Kyler and I threw a half dozen sheds in front of this kid. <laughs> <laughs> and, he like <laughs> and he stepped over. Like seeding the area. And he stepped over every one. And it, it was, we, finally we got it to happen. And he found, found a shed.
0: Once it hit him. Yes, but it was just like,
4: (laughs) it was so funny because we were like, oh, we're doing a good thing here. And then he'd step right over the top of the thing. (laughs) Is he going to listen to this and
3: and feel worse about that shed? No. Well, is the shed that he found one that you guys planted or was it his own? Well, he did find it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: They don't use. This happened to me. It's annoying. This helps you find it out and get rid of it. Well, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Rocketmoney.com slash meat Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura Frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi-connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited Photos. These things are super cool as a gift, especially if you got mom, aunt, grandma, whoever and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to. Okay. It's easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with pre-loaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame instantly from anywhere, meaning you share videos, photos from any device, and they will instantly appear on the frame, wherever it is in the world. There's no memory card required. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save, terms and conditions apply being prepared is all about having the right tools the OnX off-road map and navigation app is the best to find off-road trails and off-grid camping and to use fully functional gps when you're out of service and as we all know that being out of service is usually where the best places start plus there's color-coded public and private land boundaries which are super handy for finding off-grid camping. And I said it before, but I want to make sure it sticks. Offline maps. What this means is it allows you to access all interactive land and trail data and custom map markups when you're out of service. Just download the map ahead of time. Your phone's internal GPS gives you full navigation capabilities offline so you'll always know where you are and how to get home safely. I've been using OnX for many years. I use it, I'm not joking, on a daily basis. There is zero hunting I do without OnX. Go to onxmaps.com and use code MEATEATER to get 20% off your membership today. Spencer, explain to folks what, um, explain to folks, now that we covered your rock hound and your turkeys, explain to folks the difference between um, your very successful franchise, the fact checker and barroom, ba- your franchises,
2: mm-hmm.
0: fact checker and barroom banters. Fact checker will take some commonly held
5: belief among sportsmen and outdoorsmen and then sports people. Sports people investigate whether or not it's true. We've covered this on the podcast multiple times. Examples being like, um, we're great, we're whales stocked in the Great Salt Lake. Um Do, do Bucks you, really. Pay attention to the moon. Yeah, all that stuff. That's the fact checker series, investigating uh, these long-held beliefs, things that we all know are true because we were told they were true. Mm-hmm. Daddy long legs uh, are, are incredibly poisonous, but they don't have the fangs, <laughs> capable of, of breaking skin. Things like that. Yeah. That's the fact checker series. The barroom banter series is just like wisdom that you're eager to share with your buddies from a bar stool. And so you may not be like book smart or something, but you, you might be downright seem, stupid. You could be downright stupid, but you could seem really educated from my bar stool if you read this series because you've got these all, you've got these great nuggets of information around the outdoors. He okay. keeps
3: these all in his back pocket for the open bars at the weddings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. He bellies up. Gets out fifty cents for the tip for the night. <laughs> and just starts
0: telling stories. Yep, yep. The, the uh, but, uh, hey, buy you a drink.
5: <laughs> and and the the barroom banter is like a nod to meat eater fans that would appreciate a deep cut because the or, like the first time I heard barroom banter was in one of your books. Guy like books. The, yeah, yeah. yeah both the small game and the big game one. They always had like this tidbit in there. that would be like one sentence about a cottontail rabbit or about an elk or yeah. whatever. That was like barroom banter and then it was just like this quick hitter that did exactly this.
0: Yeah, so we did uh what are you talking about? We have these the books, uh our guidebook series which is a few few books ago. The Complete Guide to Hunting, Butchering and Cooking Small Game or C- the Complete Guide to Hunting, Butchering and Cooking um Volume 1 Big Game and then Volume 2 Small Game. And in these We have these like species profiles all about how to like, you know, prepare it, how to find it, hunt for it, regulatory stuff. And then like the kind of weird shit, you couldn't figure out where to put it. We would just put it in the barroom banter section.
5: Yeah. Interesting, interesting stuff about stuff. Right. Of the tens of thousands of words in those books, those are like my favorite sentences are just the barroom banter parts. And so that's, that's what uh, kind of the genesis is for the website here. It's a clearinghouse for all this off the wall knowledge that, Folks like us have, and it's a good place to
0: share it with media to readers. Yep. No, I don't want to start negative. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, I, I want to understand your thinking. Mm-hmm. I have now probably ten times suggested to Spencer <laughs> that you need to do a fact checker or barroom banter. I don't care. Of something that I know to be true from growing up because mm-hmm. people told me it was true is that red squirrels or pine squirrels bite the nuts off of the more desirable gray and fox squirrel species. And they just, that's just the truth. Mm-hmm. Spencer says to me, well, not enough people think that <laughs> it doesn't warrant. It's not like a thing that people think, huh. but repeatedly the other day we were soliciting questions from our listeners. Top of the list. Why do pine squirrels bite the nuts off other squirrels? Yeah. So you don't need to answer why do they, do do they, but walk me through why that is not a suitable fact checker. It is.
5: It is now. I believe you. After the last time I was on the podcast, we talked about fact checkers, which was February, I think. Ice fishing. Yep. We requested people to give us prompts for fact checkers, and that was the number one request that i got was what you just mentioned
0: oh so you now think that okay i'm on your side yeah so you haven't written the piece yet though no
5: it just doesn't seem like an appropriate thing to write in in may this fall this fall oh so you think something. about it to that level you need to yeah we're not going to talk about uh you're like running whitetails yeah but squirrels right are
0: alive right now sure sure
5: we'll, we'll get to it but are we they will, on the brain <laughs> we'll, we'll answer yeah. that question
4: uh
0: Have you done any preliminary research? No, no. Besides like, uh, how, okay. Walk me through how you're going to approach it. Let's just say it was squirrel time.
5: That's, that's one of the things that is kind of daunting about something like this. Um, so I I don't know. Go talk to
0: a squirrel. That's right.
4: Well, we know there's cannibalism in squirrels. We know Mm, they can have a varied diet. I always like like the
0: barroom banter in the small game guidebook about how, how pine squirrels kill leverets, snowshoe hair babies. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that. They did a mortality study on no- snowshoe hares, mm-hmm. on baby snowshoe hares. The lead cause of mortality is pine squirrels.
2: Whoa!
5: <laughs> w- one thing for these fact checkers, we always like to open up with the origin. Like, where did this idea come from? That, that's now like a shit. <laughs> and that's that's my concern is that these people writing in like the origin is Steve Rinella.
4: That's right. Because someone told yeah. me growing up.
5: <laughs> Right,
4: Steve's got a Wikipedia page, doesn't he? That's all it takes.
5: Yeah, that's that's like the most difficult part of these all the time is tracking down the
0: origin, trying to figure out where did this start. I will tag team this project with you. okay, Joe. You're good thing you're here, Joe. Can you please watch in the incoming emails, uh, things with subject lines such as um, squirrels biting other squirrels' balls.
3: I can watch or like, that. Uh, I, I feel like that'll stand out.
0: Yeah, squirrel ball biting stuff like that. Yep. Uh, when you see those, you take note and, and see if people can point to examples that that originate. That'll lead us right to the origin. That'll originate somewhere not with me yes. wondering if that's true. <laughs> All right, that's covered to our set, so we can look forward to that. It it's it's going to be coming out. Yes. Um, tell us a couple. Uh, Give us some latest, some latest and greatest barroom banter.s Barroom banter as of late. The theme of the ones that
5: I've been writing about is kind of just been like northwestern South Dakota. It's a really, really cool area. Wow, well, how'd you? So not just South Dakota, but a, a quadrant of yes, because there's so much <laughs> cool stuff that happened there. Uh, in an example, and these aren't things
0: we've written about. Like that's where Hugh Glass got mauled. Oh. That's good to know. Yeah. I damn sure knew it wasn't B.C., right. which is where it happens in that horrible movie, The Revenant.
5: Right. Right. So like, that's an example of why Northwestern South Dakota is really cool. Um,
0: that is the huh, – That's geogra- good note. People often I, – when I say – when I complain about The Revenant – then I point out looks how, how you couldn't have said it in BC. And they're like, well, where did it happen? And I'm like, I don't know, but it wasn't there. So <laughs> that's good. Enough. I'm going to start telling them Northwest. It, it looks way
5: different. If you went to where Hugh Glasgow mauled, you could probably throw a rock and hit an antelope. Like, that's what kind of
0: country it is. I'm reading an astounding book right now. Mm-hmm. A history. It's called uh, Plainsmen of the Yellowstone. It's a history of all travel, early travel through the Yellowstone Basin. And, um, the amount of white and yellow bears, the white and yellow kind mm-hmm. that people see roaming around out in the Great Plains is amazing, man. Yeah. Across the plain were many white and yellow bears. Or the ferocious kind, the white and yellow ones. It's amazing. Yeah. So
5: northern and northwestern South Dakota are so cool that it, I'm not even going to ever cover the huge glass thing because there's just like stories that are way better than that, even better, mm-hmm. better than a guy getting mauled and crawling his way to safety and not taking vengeance.
3: That's right. That's but right. You should probably cover that. So people who hate the movie, like Steve mm-hmm. and go, it's not even based in BC. And yeah. then they go, I don't know. And it's not a tell. vengeance tale. It's a tale of forgiveness.
5: That's right. If that movie didn't exist, that would be a great barroom banter.
0: But now it's just like, yeah, too too common. Old,
5: two common I
0: thought to had that author on the. I'd like to have that author on. I should stop talking about all this because it's going to be hard to get him on. I'd like to have that author on. The, he's a, he's actually a really interesting dude. I'd like to have him on the podcast. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I never read his book. I need to read his book because he might be like, dude, I know the movie's horrible. I don't mm-hmm. know. I got to read his book. So one, one of the things uh, about
5: northern, northern South Dakota, northwestern South Dakota that we've recently covered is Three Toes the Wolf, who, according to legend, was the last gray wolf to roam the Great Plains. And he did most of his damage over about a decade span from the early 1910s to the mid-1920s where he caused all kinds of havoc for ranchers. He was just running roughshod on these
0: sheep and cattle and things like that. Hold up. Mm -hmm. Before you get too deep, I'm with you. And I saw the article. Mm -hmm. We're just going to talk like we didn't. (laughs) You will find that... uh, there's even historians who joke about this. That one guy was talking about the the legacy of like old Eframe, you know, the last grizzly somewhere. Yep. And he calculated it out that this bear's reign of terror lasted 45 years.
5: Yes,
2: I think I think that was in Colorado.
5: Uh, so like this this story, not this version, but it's been told many times over. There was a wolf in uh, Minnesota. I think his name was like Three Legs, the wolf. And he did the same thing, caused all kinds of damage. There was a grizzly in Colorado that had decades where he was just destroying or, stuff and, and wreaking havoc. But
0: you get the point I'm making.
5: Yes. Tell, oh, me, yeah. tell me what it is. I'm, I'm not accepting this for fact. There There's like...
0: A, the, the point. The point? <laughs> the, what I'm trying to say is just for folks at home, uh, the grizzlies don't live 45 years. Yes. So, so his reign, of, <laughs> it'd be hard yep. for his reign, his reign of terror, mm-hmm. what was attributed to, his, to him... In all likelihood, looking back on it, was that there was a a collection of animals Definitely. over a long period of time, and every time something bad had happened, they'd be like, ah,
4: damn it. One could venture oh, to it, guess. It but- must be E-frame.
0: Definitely. Know? The record keeping
5: is not very great with yeah. something like three toes. Yeah, okay, I'm not going to mess with you anymore. But
4: there is one solid and irrefutable fact.
0: He had three toes.
4: No, there is a statue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, Oh
2: well, there's a statue.
4: Yeah, <laughs> there's, a,
5: there's a statue dedicated to three toes in Buffalo, South Dakota.
0: Okay, I'm, I'm, I, I want to pull out, go on with the story. Mm-hmm. I just had to get that in there. Well, and, and to
5: your point, uh, I think wolves in captivity can live up to like 17 years, and in the wild, it's like a decade, is super rare. Mm-hmm. Apparently, three toes was like 15 or 16 years old. Long reign of terror. Long, long reign. Yep. Uh, so he, he spent a decade... Just running roughshod on sheep and cattle. Surplus killing. Yes. Yep. He was notorious for killing even on a full stomach. Um, and as the, the tail of three twos <laughs> three toes grew, so did like his athleticism and wits. They Can they, you dress the toes, the toe situation? Mm, I'm, I'm yeah, guessing that's, it's that's a good question. Yep. Three toes. Uh, prior to starting his destruction and, and his vengeance on man, uh, <laughs> he escaped. I like this wolf. <laughs> he escaped a rancher's trap, uh, and he just left a toe behind. And then going forward, if and that that, that pissed him off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and also, I, I didn't mention this in here uh, because it was like it was a hard thing to find space for. But apparently, the ranchers of Northwestern South Dakota had killed Three Toes' mate. And that just extra in, pissed
0: him off. Extra. Increased. It's like a lone wolf McQuaid when his dog dies. Sure.
4: And mm. John Wick. Yeah, I was thinking John he's Wick. He's got a constant reminder. Yeah. Of traps.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, like every time he forgets about it and chills, then he looks and there's his damn foot. Mm-hmm. He's like, something's and he's like, <laughs> Forgot about that. I'm gonna go kill some sheep. Yep.
5: <laughs> and so whenever he would go and he would murder all these sheep in some dusty corral, he'd leave behind this three-toed paw print, and that's how they would know. Oh, you know he'd just dust off a
0: little area and just make a perfect little (laughs) print,
5: man. Yep, but he was so athletic that he would jump like 12-foot gaps to avoid dogs, and he was so smart uh, that he would intentionally scatter livestock so they would obliterate his trail so he could then escape. Hmm. And part of the story goes... Because they they
0: asked him? What's that? They asked him about it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) They must have. It's like, you know, well, last question for you. Why do you scatter the livestock?
5: And he was like, "Wow, well, <laughs> let
1: me <laughs> tell you. Smoking a getaway. cigarette. Good getaway.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yep, yep.
5: Uh, and he was so ruthless that once, while he was being pursued, he even stopped in a corral, slaughtered 15 sheep, and then just kept going. Didn't even have any interest in,
0: in yeah. eating them. Just to, like, prove a point. Yeah. He did that. He's a sociopath.
5: Yeah. While
4: he was being
0: pursued. Yep. Not a sociopath. There's probably a good Latin word for this. It'd be a faunopath. path sheep a path so three toes you, you, you follow me yeah i, I don't know, I don't know Land. you don't know latin good enough to no. that one out okay. no
5: three toes over his 13 year reign was credited with fifty thousand dollars in livestock damage which if you count for inflation that's six hundred fifty thousand dollars today wow it's a lot of damage yep uh local ranchers tried killing him there was one case where the uh, I'm going to butcher the name, the Havala boys, maybe they followed three toes for 200 miles. The Renella boys. It. No, no, they never got a shot. Followed him for 200 miles. There was someone else that followed him for 140 miles, but lost his tracks when he got to the grand river, um, which I think the grand river is the location of where Hugh Glass got mauled. Wow. So That's home full circle. Ties it all together. Yep. So finally the state got sick of uh, not catching three toes, even after having a $5,000 bounty on him for years, just didn't work. They called in their best wolf specialist from New Mexico. And this
0: is where the story becomes, like, absolutely true. Yes. There's there's no disputing, like, yeah, uh, yeah, this yeah. three-week period. The perception, what like, yeah, we're, we're making some jokes about it. But the perception, like, the, the, the depredation was real. The mm-hmm. livestock loss was real. And there was a very real perception of this being attributable to this one ravenous beast. Yep. Yep. So Clyde Briggs, Whether or not it was actually two of them or not, who knows, but but this was the understanding at the time. Or many,
5: yeah. That That is like some notorious bluff country up there where something could duck down and you'd, you'd yeah. never know. Even though it's like what we talked about where grizzlies and antelope rat, um, th- there was likely more wolves at work here. But Clyde Briggs comes in from New Mexico. He is the USDA's wolf specialist, and he has a reputation for catching things that are uncatchable. And he does just that. He spends three weeks there interviewing locals, talking to ranchers, uh, kind of surveying the land. he decides on one specific ranch where Three Toes had recently left a track behind. And so mm-hmm. I, I knew you'd want more information on the actual trapping portion of this, but there's like so little available. The story gets pretty short after this. Brig goes out. Briggs goes out and he just litters an area with traps and he knows that this wolf is so wise and so evasive that he needs to lay traps that if it gets it one leg in, it has to get another leg in as well. <laughs> one, one leg on this wolf isn't good enough. So
0: yeah.
5: uh, the only details might be
0: an old two legs. That's right. Three toes. Yeah. That's right.
5: The only, the only information really available is that he just litters like a pasture with the traps and he catches the wolf on July 25th. And he gets out there uh and three toes is like emancipated at this point. He's way past his emaciated from having been on emaciated. There yeah. we go. Emancipated would be that he let it go out of the trap. Nope, nope. Uh good catch, Cal. Three Toes is now only seventy-four pounds, despite despite being six feet long.
0: From just a life of having been on the run. Yes. And not eating all the stuff you kill. Yep. <laughs>
5: and, and he's and he's just past his prime. So Briggs has a lot of pride in like he caught this wolf, but he also wants to spare the wolf and drive it back to Buffalo, which is the county seat. But on the car ride there, which was only about twenty minutes to get there, the wolf dies.
0: I've, is this is this credited with being the inspiration for the Crossing by Cormac McCarthy? Not aware. The Crossing, Cormac McCarthy, part of the Border Trilogy. There's a wolf raising hell with cattle in New Mexico. And a kid gets tasked by his father to catch the wolf that had come up from Mexico.
4: That is Ernest Thompson Seton's story, Lobo, from the book, Wild Animals I Have Known. Huh, what is? I believe the inspiration for Cormac McCarthy's The Crossing. No. Yeah.
0: That's the inspiration for that? Anyways, kid catches the wolf, can't bring himself to kill it, decides to bring it back into Mexico. One thing leads to another. Yeah. Briggs had intentions of killing this wolf.
5: He just wanted to kill it in front of people. Yes. Just like show them this live critter. Uh, but but Three Toes died on the drive there. Instead Of, of credi- what? Well, instead of crediting it and- to like the, the July 25th midday heat uh, and probably being in this trap that had like no shade available or anything like that, they don't say that's the reason. But this writer who was a, a sheep rancher in the area, he says, call it a broken heart or what you will, something of this sort is what killed the old wolf. He was resting easily when found. His wounds were superficial, but there was something in his grand old spirit that could not brook capture, and nature, more merciful than, than had been ever before, granted him his release. Well, wow, pretty flowery language. Very flowery. Is so that? I
4: mean, that's just like Western romanticism. Yes. Man, I love it. Love it. You know, it wasn't the trap that killed him. It was the getting caught. <laughs> yeah. It
5: wasn't it wasn't the July twenty fifth heat. It was uh that his reign was over.
0: Well. Yeah. Huh. So
5: that's three toes.
0: Is that is that quote from the outlaw Josie Wales, where he says something to the to the effect of um guys like you and me, it's not dying that's hard. It's living. Mm. I tell that to Yanni all the time. <laughs> How does Yanni <laughs> respond? He just kind of rolls his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So you uh um that's great. You know you have a standing invitation to come tell us about fact checkers and bargain banters. Okay. But I might revoke it until you get the squirrel nut thing wrapped up. Okay. We'll we'll put it at the top we'll of the We'll have list. a little party when you get that thing wrapped up. There you go. You can come on anytime you want. Um but we'll have an open bar. Can we arrange that, Cal? Have an open free bar <laughs> for Spencer. Yep. After he writes, yes, sir. It'll be like a bottle and a glass will be laying there at your little spot. I like and that. And you come in and tell us about the squirrel nut biting. There we go.
4: And all you got to do is uh, wrap your knuckles on the table and I'll serve you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, close out a couple things. So, Spencer, you realized during the quarantine that you're a rock hound. Yes. Um, what's the thing you've learned about yourself, Cal? For, what did the quarantine bring out in you? What did you learn about yourself? I have a thing that I learned about myself.
4: Oh, man. I I learned that uh, that I need uh, to start training myself to focus because when I'm trapped at home, I get so many projects going. I have like full-blown adult onset ADD.
0: Mm-hmm. I already knew that about myself. <laughs> yeah. The projects are seductive.
4: Seductive. Yeah. They're
0: just, you look out your window and it's like, son of a beehive.
2: Yeah.
4: I'm going to hold <laughs> off on putting the period on this last sentence. I'm going <laughs> to. I can always
0: get this period later. Yeah. That flower pot.
4: Yeah. I got to go bust down four turkeys and make stock and learn how to can real quick. <laughs> well, what did you learn?
0: Um, I'll do mine. I was going to have Joe and Phil oh, yeah. go, I'll do mine now. What I learned is this, uh, in my, I don't know how old I was, maybe around 20 or so. I developed, I've always had like a real thing about needing to be going all the time. Um, doing stuff all the time in my twenties or so it turned into a, a horrible not horrible, but a, a really like a, a really severe wanderlust. To the point where I, I I remember one point in time realizing that I had gone eighteen months without sleeping in the same place seven days in a row. And then when I did sleep somewhere seven days in a row, I was out of town. I just had to be out of town at the same place eight days in a row. And I developed this feeling like a very, a deep uneasiness about not being on the move to where I felt like somehow if you weren't on the move, you would die or something. And I just very difficult for me, but um, I learned now that I like it waking up same place, wake up with my wife at my house
4: Make some coffee. You're like, oh, this is why we have this place. My <laughs> kids are
0: there. You know what I mean? And, and like, after doing that for a couple of weeks, it. and then I recently had to go just eat, like, a little in-state trip. After doing that for a couple of weeks, I really not was, like, eager to go somewhere. I was dreading going somewhere.
4: That's amazing. I
0: liked it. I liked waking up, <laughs> making coffee, everybody home. Loved it. Too much. Then I started thinking I was getting soft. <laughs> but dude it's nice to be at home with your family and not to be also packing
4: oh dude when i moved uh to catch ke- you know living life on the road as a guide um doing all sorts of jobs when i moved to catch for a sit down desk job um you know i was like I never hung a thing on the walls. Not a picture, not anything. you never know
0: when you got to get out of there. Because I, I, <laughs> I was like, eh,
4: I'm just going to be moving. Just going to be leaving. Just going to be moving. And then like, you know, 10 years later, I'm like, eh, I better, <laughs> better hang yeah. this map on the wall. <laughs> you know, I think I will
5: hang a decoration up. <laughs> when you weren't staying anywhere for 18 months
0: straight, where did you have like a paycheck sent? Or... Oh, like, I've always had an ad. I've always used an address for a long time during that period. I used a P.O. box, but I've also, during those same periods, would use my brother's addresses hmm. as my port of call.
5: So, w- where did you consider yourself a resident? Like, did you have some place you were like paying? Oh, rent I was at? a
0: resident, like, yeah, I was a resident somewhere, hmm. but i and I might be like it was mostly in Montana, but it might just be that period was in Montana. Um, And I think when I broke it, it was – I think it might have been – I think I might have broke – earlier I was talking about my dad getting sick. I think I might have broke it when I went away from my – I might have broke my streak going home to be home with my family from home. Um, But, yeah, just like – but, you know, think about it now. Like, on a a weekend comes, I get a little, like – it's hard for me to picture. If I look ahead and there's, like, a weekend when we don't have the family, even with the family, we don't have something on the books, I get a little antsy. You I guys start, are very good at, at making stuff happen. Start planning something. Yeah, because I don't want to die. Joe, what'd yeah. you learn about yourself? During, you, you know what? So here's the thing you don't die if you just stay home. <laughs>
3: <laughs> really?
0: <laughs> Write that down.
3: Well, yeah, I learned the exact opposite. I learned I am a very restless soul. Oh. Like, you're <laughs> sitting around the house, it's been like, I need to go to that mountaintop. Like, you know. just looking out the window, looking at the mountains. I'm like, I cannot sit here anymore. But uh, you got that wanderlust. I do. Just got to go see something. So I did a lot of shed hunting. Just went and started wandering around the mountains looking for antlers. Did
2: oh, that you find a lot?
3: Out. Uh, found a few. I actually went to the breaks a couple weeks ago and we found 21 antlers. Whoa. So was, really? Yeah. Was you long. did like a actual trip to go shed hunting. Yeah. Huh. Kind of. And the scout for... When you, you find
0: them, do you like, I'm going to put this into my big pile of antlers? Or are you, are you like selling...
3: Uh, you know, those were like, I'm going to put this in a big pile of antlers. So you're not like, you're not out there selling it for chew toys. And no. Shit. And then okay. none of them were good enough to really sell it. Gotcha. I? But, uh, but then I also learned that I really enjoy trail running. I think for that same reason of, you know, kind of really? that wanderlust. Yeah. Just go to a different trail and just start running.
0: You and Maggie and Giannis got to go
3: on a trail run. Those guys trail run. Yeah, I know. Or, or they run out. They I run did. Trail. I did one with them last year and ran uh, Baldy with them and it was miserable. But uh, now I'm actually enjoying it. You're probably able to
0: hold your own now.
3: Yeah. Now I've been running a lot. Like, I just picked up one day. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go for a trail run. Ran 10 miles.
0: If you do go running with Yanni, wait till you're good and far into the trip and then say, Yanni, for guys like you and me, (laughs) ain't dying It's hard. Try that out on (laughs) him. I will. Phil, learn anything good about yourself? Uh, Or bad? uh, I don't care.
1: uh, Yeah. Bad... Uh, That I I need a new hobby. I need. I. I'm just rock picking. Exactly. (laughs) I've been sitting here listening to Spencer. I'm getting I'm getting all all jealous of the of the stuff he's doing. Yeah, no, I've just been kind of just falling into old habits like, you know, playing I mean, I was about to say playing with my kids like it's a bad thing. But I mean like going <laughs> through routine stupid stuff. Yeah. No. Play, no with my kids. Just going through r- routines like after the kids go to bed, it's like, yeah, I'll just play some video games or Ugh, yeah. Really? No, yeah. I'm still I'm still into that, yeah.
4: Yeah, but you're a brand new outside pooper. You got the Exactly. Going
1: for it. Yeah. I wouldn't say I learned how to do it because it went poorly. Instead, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I don't know if you, any, any of you guys at this hunting and fishing organization have any ideas for new hobbies. Just rock picking. I bought two <laughs> rock hounding rock
0: books, hounding. so you can borrow one. I would like it if you were out rock hounding and Spencer gets to a spot and then sees there's <laughs> someone already there rock hounding. And then he'll be one of those guys and be like, this place is gone to shit. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> I got when, a I, when I started rock picking out yep. here. We yeah. got a couple go. good mushroom books too. Phil. Oh, Phil,
0: that's what you ought to do because that's the thing is right now, like Morel's coming on oyster mushrooms. My mom just you picked a pound a of asparagus.
1: That's, I mean, that, that sounds great. Yeah, no, I've been Your reading all of Spencer's like articles. Getting, I mean, he, it, Spencer's been he, – he doesn't know this. We haven't talked about this, <laughs> but I've been reading all of his stuff, and, and, and I just – I want to get out there. Yeah, he's getting me – he wants nice. to get me outside. My friend Matt, who's
0: been on this show before, not my brother Matt, my friend Matt, um, he, was sequ- you know, he was all holed up on, his, on a property he has, a little farm, uh, quarantining on a farm. And I suggested to him, he's got a big ramp patch, big patch of ramps. Um, I suggested to him, if you really want to inject a spark into the old love life, (laughs) take your uh, wife out there with a shovel. Continue. (laughs) Dig a deep hole. (laughs) Take take your wife out of the shovel. Dig up some of those ramps. Wash those ramps. Roll the green part of the ramp around the white part of the ramp. So it's a little package. Looks like a Polish rose. Brush that with olive oil. Apply salt and pepper on it. Put it on the grill and cook it, and then give it to your wife. What is a Polish rose? You don't know a Polish rose? No, you can't be like it looks like this thing when when nobody. A Polish knows rose what is what a person's like. mom makes in the Midwest when it's when they're having a party. If it's the winter time, okay. You take a green onion. No, you can do it in summer. Do you guys know this term? No, I I've never heard of it. You take a green onion. You get yourself some Carl Buttig, ham or corned beef. Like the worst ham or corn, most processed <laughs> worst ham you can find or corned beef slices. You take a green onion. You smear that meat with cream cheese so that you have, it's like a picture of a piece of bread with cream cheese smeared on it, but it's not. It's a piece of ham with cream cheese smeared on it. And then you wrap it around the white part of the green onion. And you lay a tray of those out. Now you're talking. I like that. Dude, they vanish. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> but you you giving that comparison is like uh calendar. Exactly. exactly. Exactly.
3: Looks looks good. Ah, okay. That's now, a Polish rose. Now I get it. Now,
0: do the Poles love those roses? I don't know. <laughs> is it like a joke? Is it that they can't get nothing right? I don't know. I would rather have that than a rose. So let's think of it. I'm thinking it's laudatory of the Poles. They've taken a thing that's stupid, like a rose, and turned it into a good thing to eat. Your your description of that was like, uh,
5: Cal and I were doing a video about how to make chislic. And I was trying to describe the size that you want to cut the pieces of meat. And Cal interjected, and he said, well, it's about the size of a sugar cube. But I don't think there's anybody like under the age of 40 that... Can <laughs> recognize what the size of a
0: sugar cube is. I could recognize it. I, yeah, I've, I haven't seen one of those in a while, but like when I was a little kid, we're going to wrap it up here, but uh, uh, we'll end on this thought. When I was a little kid and you went to church and then you left church and went over to the annex for like the little social period, you would get yourself some coffee and then you put about 18 sugar cubes in there <laughs> and try to break them up and then drink that sugar. <laughs> And I don't think I've laid eyes on a sugar cube since. (laughs) All right. Good. Do they bite the balls off the squirrels? We'll find out. We're going to find out. Work in Progress by Spencer (laughs) Newman.
2: All
4: right.
0: Thanks, everybody.